how the fuck this happened so quickly. But guess what? We watched all of the fucking Sopranos. We're fucking here. We watched it all. <laughs> we watched the entire series. Kind of makes me think on an emotional level. I probably would have preferred to watch it over the course of seven years. Because <laughs> <laughs> like say a year. <laughs> no, no, dude. Real time. I feel like you kind of needed that whole like every week and you needed like months off. Like just to know what hold it all, dude. Damn. Like, we were just saying, like, got the night off. I like what am I gonna watch? Like, and I was like, I might just watch like Great British Bake Bake Off because like I need to fucking relax. (laughs) Oh, greatest show, greatest TV show of all time. Like TV show I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, and and some people got some work to do if they want to top this. I mean, groundbreaking. Like, just there's no other. Like, you know, every now and again. The words like cliche ass terms like groundbreaking and stuff, but every now and again something comes along and you're like, but that's why that term is there. And it's because like shows, things like this show, like they just changed, this show changed everything. 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 Yeah. Well, I want to do, we want to do like a big overreaching commemorative goodbye to the show, but I think groundbreaking is a good place to start with the beginning of season six. Yeah. Because it's surrealism and groundbreaking in television at its finest hour. Really? Yeah, I mean, you you know, like, I'm not, we don't ever pretend to be, like, experts or anything. And, and shit, by no means have I seen every TV show. Like, years ago, I kind of tuned out of TV. And so I really only had, like, a good 10 years of watching TV in my life that I was actually, like, a avid tv watcher i would say so there's a lot of shit i've not seen but to my knowledge like you have to go back to like some shit like the twilight zone before you're seeing like a main character going a whole two episodes of a show like as a completely different fucking person in a surrealistic like portrayal so let's explain to what's going on yeah Tony, at the end of season five, goes to check on Uncle June, who's very clearly losing him, losing his mind in some sort of dementia situation. Although Tony, hold on, it's important to know, although Tony cannot wrap his fucking mind around this and thinks that Junior is just picking on him all the fucking time. Yeah. And, and being like, like an asshole. Like literally, quit picking on me! Yeah, literally, like storming out of like the family dinner. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a bruised teenager. And everybody's like very clearly like, yo, this is serious. Like something's wrong. In any case, he goes to check on Uncle June at the end of season five. And in a fit of, you know, delusion and dementia, Uncle Uncle Junior shoots Tony in the stomach, sends him into a coma. But it's where we find ourselves at the getting getting of season six and in this surreal world in North Jersey, as his family is is dealing with this tragic situation, uh, Tony is in this dream world as one Kevin Finnerty. As he well, he goes. What happens is he is Tony, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going on a business trip, but he gets his briefcase swapped or lost, and he realizes he has the identity and looks like one Kevin Finnerty. And and in like the most <clears throat> excuse me, in like the most exquisite bit of writing that you'll like ever fucking fine in this like 
coma-soaked dream where he is Tony, but everyone's mistaking him as Kevin Finnerty. He gets diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So he doesn't know if he's fucking Tony or if he's Kevin and he's making all the, he can't remember. And that, what a beautiful, like, just, and this Absolutely. show, just this show, the writing fucking start to finish. But this season, like, they really, like, set a bar for TV. And you see that whole two-part ending that's now, like, really prevalent in the best dramas, you know, that oh, was yeah. repeated multiple times. Like, it's, you know, big stuff, big chops. Let's talk about the dream world. Yeah, let's do. So there's lots of metaphors, lots of underlying, you know, references to the outside world and stuff. My personal favorite has always been, like, the the rotating beacon light in the background, mm-hmm. which is, like, the the beeping in the hotel room and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What about like the Buddhist monks? I'm like, what the yep. fuck does that mean? Yep. There's like, he had, he takes a lover in the dream world. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Tony working through morality for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. And it's, it's also this, this weird paradox, which we'll get to, you know, several of those, but it's this weird thing where, He's fighting, like, he is almost in this dream world. He's fighting to get back to his family. But he's lost his wallet, and he can't make this happen. Yeah. But what's really happening is Tony is fighting to come out of a coma to get back to his family. And it's this weird it, it almost gives you this like parallel universe vibe where if Tony had never had not been, you know, his father's son and had been born into a different family, what is that what what would Tony Soprano look like as a legitimate, you know, like as a, a fucking middle class dad. A salesman, a traveling salesman. Yeah, you know, like yeah. a middle class dad. It's it's also that which is really cool. I love that we often talk about the show as it being a family drama or like this sitcom vibe smashed into the mob world. Absolutely. And I love how this season handles it. What you just talked about being a great example. Even like the end of the very famous end scene, like parallel parking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like even that, like, I don't know. I but love how the, it, it handles it. It's the attention to those little things that that make this show so great you know it really is it's the attention to those little things that that like that parallel parking and just so many other little things you know but but i think what you get in the while tony is in a coma for the first what two i think it's two or three episodes um you get like the culmination of all the dream play that's taken place throughout the entire show Mm-hmm. It's it's like the showcase feature because, you know, if you think about it, the first few uh, dreams that Tony have are maybe 10 minutes long. They're long dream sequence for a normal TV show, but this is The Sopranos, right? So, but then like as the seasons progress, when he ha- starts having dreams, they last longer and they're like these longer attempts to hash this stuff out. And then you get like in the final season, it starts with two whole episodes of just playing in tony's subconscious in like a dream world you know and it, it's the culmination of everything they kind of that they 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 sharpened their knives on earlier yeah and 
in it being like we talked about like the small thing of like the two part season ender like the dream thing is a sopranos pioneer p- pioneering moment i would say that's yeah. now like really prevalent in television yeah yeah that th- you're you're definitely more likely to see it happen now i mean but that's so many things about this show which we should just save that for the end when we when we you know just talk about the whole thing as a as a work but yeah i mean it's it, it is it's almost commonplace now but you know it wasn't in 1999 through 2007 it wasn't yeah what are some of your other favorite dream ep- or coma episode moments um I, you know i don't I think well, I already kind of tipped my hand. Like my favorite thing is when his character later, you know, having smacked this monk, and then being face to face with what he's perceiving as these like intelligent, disciplined people who clearly think that he is Kevin Finnerty, and he's being confronted with this notion that maybe his mind is wrong. Maybe his mind is wrong. That's yeah. some powerful fucking shit, man. That's like, it's just so, such good writing. Such good writing. Yeah. I like how tactless Polly and Christopher are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this could be huge for me, T. It's like, yeah. he's in the fucking, even when he's out of it, and he's just kind of a vegetable for a few days. Uh-huh. And they're like trying to like get ahead and like yep. make amends he- with the boss and like. He fucking comes out of the coma later and Christopher's like, but we agreed to this team while you were in the hospital. And Tony's like, I was in a fucking coma. Like, what? What do you want from me? I didn't even fucking hear you. Or later, he's like, I forget the context with Carmella. She's like, when you were in that coma, I told you I loved you. Do you remember that? And he takes her face and he goes, I was in a coma. (laughs) I did not hear you say that. Nope. Nope. (laughs) And and like okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like, cause Tony, which again, I think I will spend a lot more time talking about Tony's history when we get to the the ending of this season and this show. But this is when Sill has to step up and be yeah. like boss of the fam. But then he has like a fucking asthma yeah, he, attack he has because he's attack. so fucking stressed out. Yeah, there's a power struggle. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like you kind of see like, man, what would this? And then you start really thinking like, what would this family look like without Tony? Without Tony? Yeah, you do. That's what I've always wondered. Like, probably fucking walnuts. <laughs> Whoa! Listen, don't underestimate that guy because he nope. might be a nope. major reason that the show might end the way that it might. Hey, you never know. Um, so that's one thing that, like, you kind of corrected me earlier on the Gabagool Chronicles, and I was like, North Jersey, like these guys are small time gangsters, blah blah blah, and you kind of put in perspective, like they're not. Like this is they're a legit faction of a crime family, but these yeah. characters are bumbling fools. They are. They are. I mean. They're, but they're like the. But I'm reminded of Joe the plumber. I just have to say that. You what okay. elections? Do you remember that in that election? Whatever year it was, I think it was 2007. Was it? Yeah, it was um, uh, McCain. McCain. Obama. Yeah, I think it, that was the yeah yeah the Sarah Palin. Sarah year. Palin. Oh yeah. my God! Yeah, I I always think of Joe the plumber for some reason when I watch this show because. They're like they're all very conservative. Like every one of them, they're like 
absolutely Republican voters across the board. But you just they they have this like every man quality. Like they they're not smart. Like you know like uh in what um so Tony says to somebody one time like oh just go to the right aids and see if they got them. It's like just adding s's to the end of words and like you know Bobby uh to the victor must go to the spoils. You yeah. know whatever. It's like they're not articulate well but they're fucking highly functioning criminals. Like yeah, all of absolutely. them are really good. And you get to see that as this show whole, like progresses, like how good of gangsters, like these guys actually are. Their instincts are like fucking stellar. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They get through life. Most of them. <laughs> most of them, but uh, not, not some of them. We lose a lot of them this season. We lose a lot this season. A lot. Yeah, I mean, we'll by the it. end, you're, again, what's this family look like? Let's yeah. talk about it later. Yeah, let's do. So one of the big driving forces of this season is the friction between New York and New Jersey. Mm. It kind of started with Cousin Tony B. Definitely started. With, with Leotardo's of kid brother. brother. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's kind of compounded when Vito who's a captain in the Lupertazzi crime family, the one that the Sopranos are a part of, gets spotted at a gay club. Word spreads around. And New York is like, you know, we got to do something about this. This is fucked up. And once again, Tony fucking drags his feet in the name of... This time it's a little less, like, earnest in loyalty. But he he drags his feet with this shit every single time. He does. And I think... So this is okay. I, just to piggyback also, off, also Vito like, was like such a skeezer when Tony was in the total. Coma. He was absolutely like basically making his plot to be the the family boss, you know. And Carm smelled it. Oh shit, yeah. But yeah, see so again, Carm, Carm knows what's up. You know, right. like she gets there. But, um, uh. But okay, so to piggyback off what I was, all these guys that we meet, they're all these like they're arch conservatives, like they're all conservative, like Republican, what you consider your more conservative people. Um, but they all have their moments where they show that what the truth is is that most people um, really just care about like it, how you treat people is really what it because Tony has multiple examples. But, like, Vito is a very clear one. Like, Tony's like, this is not fucking 1940 anymore. Like, so what if he, you know, and he says some really expletive shit about Vito. But, like, so what if he does those things? Like, he's my top earner. And what what the fuck do you guys bring to this table compared to him? Like, maybe you should all go do what Vito's doing if that's going to, you know, if you want to be like that. And Tony kind of takes this stand, like... He's like, look, this is fucking, this is the 2000s. No one gives a shit. And that's like actually how he thinks. Like if it were up to him and it were literally just he were the CEO of a company, like he he would never, no, never. But because it's this, you know, our thing, you know, it's more complicated than that. And of course, Phil has to have a beef because Phil is like an OG, like I did the time. The Shah of Iran. Yeah, come on, right? For <laughs> real though. That's like my favorite fucking insult. That's a great With the one. fucking eyebrows. 
the shop I ran over here. <laughs> but so Vito is married <laughs> to to Phil's what uh it's, it turns out it's not even really like his family, legit. But like what is it like his third cousin or something? Vito's wife is somehow related to Phil, and that's what starts the whole thing. Is oh, it's, right. Is because she calls him over and feels like I don't know, Tony. You need to handle this shit, and it basically just turns into a shit show. Phil sticks his nose in it. Yes, exactly. But then later, completely. Oh, fuck! You know, I'm not one for uh, I'm not one for for memes. But I gotta tell you, there's one that I saw while watching the show this time because. The wifey will just send them to me because she's like, that's her hobby. So anyway, uh, yeah, you too. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, So she sent me this one uh, and it was, it was, uh, this is Phil Leotardo accepting compromise. And it was just him getting his fucking head blown off. And I laughed so hard (laughs) because like, that's kind of like this thoroughfare through the whole Phil like arc, if you will, because I got to bring back Christopher's ox. Yeah, but uh, like he he will not do common sense shit. He's gotta like he feels like this little man like gotta be hard thing all the fucking time. Oh yeah, and it just that just made me giggle because that's Phil. Oh yeah, it's kind of funny looking back on it. We just ingested like so much television, and like Phil kind of washed yeah. over me a little bit this time. Yeah, he's fucking annoying prick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 21 episodes in the time frame that we did 21 episodes is pretty impressive of this kind of a thing. And for two, people, for two people who are not, like, watching, like, we don't binge for, like, hours a day. We, like, we got shit to do and things. Yeah, like, but I watch but, it every day. Yeah, it's a lot of TV, you know? Yeah. It's, a, it, it's a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I heard something interesting in the special features, which I got to tell you, one thing I really enjoyed was getting to know David Chase. That's Talk- what I really took away from the special features is there's not anything like re- revelatory, like it's going to blow your fucking mind. Like, oh, my God, really? They thought that. Uh, but like just getting to know that guy, I like really started to like him. He's like such a like down, like low key guy, but he's like really smart and he clearly just had like a vision. And I, I kind of understood more because when you watch the show and you don't do any research into it, you see the same names all the time. David Chase. Uh, yeah, Terrace Winter, uh, Tim Van Patten, you know, and so on and so forth. And you don't really know. You're like, you're like, who who is a part? Like, what was the driving thing? And it's so just absolutely clearly with, was David Chase. And like, yeah. I kind of learned like. What really happened was they like David Chase like wrote what happens. And then once they kind of came up with all the scenes, then he would assign pieces for each of the rest of the writers to like write. And then they would put them together. And that's kind of how it works. So he was really the, you know, it, it, it was really his vision. He's the mastermind. Yes, and you can comfortably say that, I think. You know what I mean? And that's what I learned. Because before, I didn't really know, you know? And then, because I think you kind of were giggling at the fact that I left him out. But Matthew Weiner, you know, comes in a little later, like season five or something, and clearly tries to scoop up a whole lot of credit, but moves on to do another great show, which is Mad Men. But, but you, so you kind of wonder at first, like, what you never know who's the force. And it just was clearly this guy, like, 
Liv was his mother. Like everything is so this guy. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So a little sidebar, but it was it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Talking more about the New York versus New Jersey thing. It yeah. definitely like do you want well before we do that, do you want to talk more about Vito's arc? Because it's several episodes. Yeah, I mean yeah, but like, why do you I, think that they focused on it so much? I think that they focused on Vito so much simply for the last four episodes of the seat of the whole show, man. Like this, this, okay. Cousin Tony, Tony B, kills Phil Leotardo's brother. Phil Leotardo never is happy with anything that happens really after that. He's like right. a complete prick about everything, you know, which, hey, rightfully so. I mean, I guess, you know, when you think about it. But Vito, I think, serves the purpose of being the biggest, the big catalyst between the tension from New Jersey and, and New York. And the reason I say that is because Vito, speaking of Vito's arc, had has become because everyone else has been fucking whacked or whatever Vito's become Tony's top earner yeah like he's his best earning guy like he handles the construction really well and brings in a lot of money for Tony and I think it puts Tony in this position where this is not just a clean cut thing like you're asking me to lose you're asking me to go out of my pockets here to to kill this guy and like yeah. I'm not just gonna just say absolutely sure you know what I mean and the way everything winds up happening I with with Phil's crew basically killing Vito you know like I think the way that that happens and pans out leads to the big split the the one that's gonna lead to everything for the rest of the season because after Vito. We're kind of done with the 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 like Tony versus someone and his family vibes are out the window. All of the other people inside of the DeMeo family are all like in line. There's no DeMeo. That's right. I, I misspoke earlier. Oh no! Well, no, that um, it's the DeMeo family, but yes, they're they're part of the Lupertazzi family. Lupertazzi. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right about that. But I think that's like the just because it was uh, cousin uh, Jackie, his somebody. Any anyway, never mind. Not um, important. Not important. But but uh, point being, I think that's why they focus on Vito so much. Is it's the setup. It's the setup for the rest of the season that you have this clear conflict that then everything just escalates and es escalates until the last episode. You know. Yeah, and I guess it's interesting. Yeah, a little, I guess. I mean, Vito goes off and does his whole little thing. I think Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what that what that particular part's about, but I I feel like Vito's character only existed to buy time for more plot to develop. Like he needed to be alive but be known and everybody knew he was going to die. You know what I mean? Of course we did. Yeah. I think I think I think it just needed he needed to exist out there in New Hampshire eating Johnny cakes for an episode or two so that other things could happen around it, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. 
I do like I I look forward to the veto arc. I just wonder like why they I don't know. Just the the homosexual thing and like it's just I was wondering if it was like a early 2000s choice or like what. That's kind of what I'm asking. Well, I mean, it almost feels so surprisingly this might be counter to what you're thinking, but it almost feels like maybe it is a 2000s thing where they're saying like coming out in favor of it because they're showing it the way they show it and they're showing the reaction of this crime family, but they're not showing that as a positive. The The way they're all being bigoted towards Vito is, is very clearly shown in a negative light. Yeah. It's framed negatively the whole time. So I kind of did think like maybe this was just something to be thrown in, you know, because it's very clear that the creators of the show are very socially conscious, like yeah. very, very much so. Well, you just d- said earlier that they're depicted as Republican voters and yeah. that they're anti-gay, and they're also depicted as like probably not very smart. Not smart? No, they're yeah. not. They're not smart. And, and arguably, the-, the the smartest of them is Tony, and he's the one that's like, "Who fucking cares?" You know. Right. And Sil, Sil too. I think Sil's kind of just like, eh, you know. Mm. I, I I feel you too. <laughs> that was a good sill. Thank I you. I saw you really put some love into that. I've been working on it. I love. I sil. can tell. <laughs> it's my boy. Um, and in the background of all of this, Johnny Sack is just getting leached. <laughs> oh, he's Johnny. dying in prison, chain smoking those cigarettes. Get, like dead to rights by the feds, going to jail. Nothing he can do about it for a long time. Then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, you're dying. Yeah. Yeah. No shit, he's dying. The guy like smoked cigarettes like constantly. Yeah, yeah, he did, but he made it look fucking cool as shit. I know, right? I don't know if there's ever been a more condescending cigarette smoker in the history of cinema. Johnny Sack. <laughs> I fucking I'm, I miss. I'm better I miss, than you. I miss Watch Johnny the way Sack. I smoke my cigarette. Well, see, Johnny had to. Johnny had to go because without oh, Johnny yeah. again. Without John, has got going. a chain on him. Yeah, yeah, and things become things are still stable. If if Johnny Sack stays in New York, things stay stable. And first off, if Johnny Sack stays in New York, and New York decides Tony's got to go, Tony's gonna actually go. Like he's gonna he's gonna get got. Like that's real, but that's not the case. Okay, you know we'll see. You're right. We will. What is, where does that bring us? That brings us to the second half of season two, right? Oh, you want to talk about the the um, I guess the Soprano Home Movies is the first episode of season t- or part two, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, one of those, just one of those great, just one of those great episodes, man. Like, I hate to say it. Because I love kind of smashing on this dude, especially when it comes to this show. But like the Sopranos, that is, when it comes to his work with the Sopranos, I love smashing on Mr. Wiener. But you don't, I don't know if I've seen writing in a TV show that, except for Mad Men, that even gets close to the level of like this, that episode just has this vibe. Like it's just thick, like fucking thick goddamn vibe you feel like you're at a summer fucking lake house you feel 
that like I I mean I, I talked to someone after I watched this episode and I was like, you know, my family was like that. Like the uncles got into the fights with the the girlfriends of the aunts or whatever. Like that kind of happened in my family. And like what happened was exactly what happened. The next morning, everybody was like, fuck it. We got too drunk last night. We're family. Forgiven, forgot. Yes, it is. And now, usually, the guy with the most bruises on the face did go home in the car mumbling all the whole way about how he should have won or could have won. But, like, that happens. And it might not happen in everybody's family. But for you guys who did not, never had anything like that in your family, it does happen in some of ours. Sure. And I just, that, that episode is a fucking vibe, man. It's so good. It's really, really good. Yeah. I Tony was drunk, right? Oh, plastered. It's the only reason he lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Bobby's a big boy. Bobby is a big fucking guy. And Bobby was fighting for honor. You know and what I mean? Tony's been picking on him for years. Yep. And he had the reasons. I ser- I think it's time you seriously started to consider salads. Like, yeah, it was pent up, you know, seasons long. Seasons long. Oh, yeah. You love that line about the salads. Oh, it's great. It's a great. I mean, because that image of, of Bobby, like, climbing out of that car and, like, like the car's tipping forward and then Tony and that look on his face. <laughs> it just cracks, it cracks me up every time. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. But anyway, Tony had it coming, you know? Yeah, absolutely. One of the greatest episodes of the series. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's up there with Whitecaps and Pine Barrens. And Pine Barrens. College. Yeah, college. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, I, just because we had so many episodes to watch, I just have the wiki up with all the episodes listed. So I'm just looking at where we're at. Um, yeah, I mean, really? Like, after. So when you get to part two, it's like. Downhill. The stage is basically just set that there's like there's a you know irreconcilable differences between parts of New York and New Jersey. That yeah. that stage is kind of set. Um, but really, to me, like the next big thing that happens besides just a lot more like tension ratcheting up here and there is Christopher. I mean, that's the biggest thing. So before we get to like the climax of Christopher, the end of Christopher's arc, truly. Yeah. So Tony starts at, at the movie premiere that he does with Carmine and shit that they make the movie. Tony starts to like realize he needs to kind of reevaluate. He just starts to see again that he always does holes with his re- relationship with Christopher and what kind of man Christopher is. Yeah. And like his potential, like the Chris has got to be just a little over 40 at this point. Like he kind of is who he's going to be. And Tony's yeah. like, what What am I going to do with this guy? He's a fucking, what does he say to Melfi after he dies? Like, he's just a sniveling drug addict. Like, mm-hmm. and he always will be. Yep. And he was till the day he yep. died. I mean, yeah. He, yeah, it kind of, yeah, with the his last utterances are, I mean, sadly, those of an addict. Like, one who has not recovered, too. He you never know I mean? recovered, ever. No, no. No, and I don't think he was going to. I don't think he stood a chance. Like when you like and see that's that kind of cuts to the thick of this show right there. When you get into it, this show is deep on a lot of fucking levels. You cannot forget that Christopher cuts human bodies up 
on a fucking saw that's made to butcher meat. And he does it on a counter in a pork store. And he takes those bodies in bags and he goes and drops them off in a river. And he beats people within inches of their life to get mut to extort money from them. And he kills people who write his movies because he's drunk and doesn't want to hear what they have to say anymore. And he shoots them in the head. That's the life this guy leads. He never stood a fucking chance to recover. No. If you're going to keep doing that, you're not going to kick the substances that help you sleep every night. night. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to happen. And that cuts to the thick of the whole show, right? Is everything that you watch and take in as juxtaposed next to the fact that every character you're seeing is is either a murderer or complicit to murder. Everybody you're rooting for or watching, except for Melfi. You know, except for yeah. Melfi. There's even that weird like dream reality confession part what he does with Melfi. Yep. Where he says, like, I've murdered friends. I've murdered friends. I've, you know, seen violence and I murdered my best friend. I like killed my cousin, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then later he's like, they shot my cousin's face off. And like, I don't know. That that part's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, like, you know, not to jump ahead, but I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time on Melfi and like the way that wraps up. But no, I want to hear what you have to say e- about that. Even. Even in the end of the show, Mel- Melfi absolves herself of any, you know, complicit behavior because she tells him, I know what you're doing now. I finally figured out that, like, I actually can't help you. You're using me the same as you use everyone else. Everyone and she else. realizes it. And, and she terminates their relationship and she absolves herself of that, that guilt, that complicit, complicit behavior towards him and his behavior. You're not, yeah. you're not going to let him come in here and say he had troubles with an employee, a very anymore. trusted, and let's yeah. just say he had to go away. Like, you're not going to do that anymore, you know? Yeah. And, and she's the only one. Like, really? When do you think Tony realized he was using her in that way, or do you think he always did? I don't know if Tony ever did get that. Okay, that's kind of get that. I don't think that Tony ever understood that that's what's going on. But remember, if you remember, like, uh, Gabagool 3, 2 or 3, I told, I called Melfi his consigliere because she was yeah, I do giving him, like, advice on, like, a therapeutic level about how to deal with difficult relationships in his family. And mm-hmm. he started applying that to the way he dealt with his crime family. And he saw that that worked. I think that that's the whole reason he continued to go to her was because yeah. with, but I don't think that he consciously knew that that's what was happening. No, I don't think so either. That's why I asked you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that that's what was happening because I think in the end, we root with like, look, we all like Tony and we want, we, he's like our anti-hero that we root for, but we know we, we, we put him at an arm's distance because we know, but like at the end of the day, he's, he's got a criminal's mindset. And that's why that, that particular study that she was reading was, I thought was an interesting way to put all of this on her decision when she, when her colleagues basically get her at a dinner table and kind of peer pressure her into like you have to read the study you've been ignoring it for too long you need to read this and she reads it and it's this study that basically states you know 
This is how the criminal mind works. And he, I don't know if he realized just because like he says, you know, earlier in the season, they're talking about going to heaven or hell. And, and Tony, like very, like a child almost says, I'm a soldier. Soldiers don't go to hell. It's like, you're not a soldier. No. You think you're you like, are. Yeah, you're justifying your actions in exactly. some romantic way. And I think that he justified his his therapy by, I don't have panic attacks anymore, or I have all these problems. But then again, I'm, a, I, I'm reminded again of another thing she says when uh, when he makes her leave her office and they're sitting in that diner and she's like, how many, pe- how many more people have to lose their lives for your self-growth? And it's like, it, it kind of the theme of the whole fucking show. Yeah. You know, like how many people have to die for Tony Soprano to like feel better? You know what I mean? Like, cause that's really kind of where it's at. And I think she realizes that and just says enough is enough. But I don't know that he ever realized what he was doing. I think he thought genuinely I'm like a victim of these things and I'm depressed and, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a perfect way to wrap up that part of the facet of the show. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Can we touch on AJ for a minute? Yeah. Well, what Christopher, I mean. Oh, we didn't really wrap that up. So what happens is Chris is driving his new car. Sorry. Listen, sorry. No, I get it. But like. We got to flesh it out. It. Please take it. Yeah. No, yeah. He's driving his new car and he's really the, 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 the stereo has got no balls. And he's fidgety, and he's the stereo to... has no balls because he's fucking high, because he can't hear it. Yeah, because he's fucking high. Yep. And he's fidgety, and he's driving erratically, and Tony's trying to have a casual conversation with him. Chris loses control of the car, and there's a fucking comedic moment. It's not comedic; it's another. I only have my. Are you kidding me, Kennedy? I only have my driver's permit after dark, mm-hmm. and it's just like the reality thing punctured into the gangster thing again. Car rolls like twenty fucking times, mm-hmm. and it's clear that Chris has been like mortally wounded. Later, they say at the wake like he could have made it, but he's coughing up blood and shit, and yeah. just to make sure that you know more danger doesn't come to the family. That like Chris has already put them at risk at so many fucking times. Tony c- c- closes his nasal-, nasal cavity, nasal cavity, so that he can't breathe, and he drowns in his own blood. He, he, like, murder slash euthanizes him. Yeah. It's, it's this weird combination of both because you see, like, you said it, like, there was selfish intent. Like, he realized because Chris is, I, I, I'll never pass the drug test, T. I'll never pass the drug test. And Tony's just like, you're never, you're never going to get better. Never and it's so clear. It's so fucking clear that you're going to continue to put my life at risk. And he sees the, the tree branch in the baby's seat in the back. And he thinks to himself, like, what if your daughter had been in this car and you just killed? So he's like, you're going to do this to me for the rest of my life. You're going to do this to your wife and your child. You're going to do this to everybody for the rest of you. It's just easier to just simply pinch your fucking nose and let everything else that you've already done to yourself work its course and, and it's, to, it's a it's yeah, a little he, murder but a little I mean, not. he says to melfi he's like you know all these other murders that was great i had to go through grief he's like this i never had to got to say this to anybody but like this is a relief relief 
It's relief. Well, I mean, and I'm going to tell you, like, that's a thought. That's real. That's an absolute real thought. That's something that millions of people in this country in particular feel every day. They have relatives who have terrible problems with drugs and dependency and mental illness and suffering, and they suffer all the time and they and the people who love them see that and while they hate to lose them which may not be the case that tony's actually thinking that feeling of relief that it's over actually is something that people feel that feeling that and and a lot of people won't admit that but that feeling that i never have to worry that my phone is going to ring at 3 a.m because this person got fucked up and drove their car into a median or killed someone and I've got yeah. to go clean up after them or is in jail again or this time murdered someone you know whatever it may be like you you that relief that you never have to have that again that's real shit you know like that's real stuff yeah I mean I I hate to like just be a broken record but it's kind of the perfect way for Christopher's story to end like I remember our mutual friend. I watched the show for the first time, and I I was drunk one night. I was like, he told me we were both drunk. He told me that Chris dies, like season four or something. Wait, like before? Okay, so before Chris died, the person you were watching it with told you Chris died, and you didn't know this. Yes, that's fucked. I'm sorry. I love you, Jabo, but that's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care how much begging I was doing. Fucking spoiler alert! Damn, that's cold. Yeah, it's it's Rosebud. Uh, yeah, and then when I realized Tony's the one that killed him, heavy and shocking. See, and that's another thing too that like really lets you know that there is a little murder in there because when they cut to Tony's face, that's that's probably the scariest that Tony Soprano looks in the whole show. Is My right there. I have my my most gangster Tony moment. Is sure. The second half of season two. Okay. When that Coco motherfucker goes up to a meadow. Oh, fuck, baby. Oh, dude. If somebody did that to my daughter, though, I'd want to beat the shit out of them, too. I'm not okay. even a gangster. He literally bites him, bite the curb, and curb stomps his mother. He fucking curb stomped it. He yes. Fucking jaw. Yes, he fucking does. And I mean, I would not take it that far, but I'm telling you, like, I thought about that. Like, because that's what this show does so well is it puts you in the shoes. It, that's yeah. what it does. If a grown man took their fucking fat, calloused finger and wiped the corner of my daughter's fucking mouth, I would lose it. I would fucking... That's a violation. That is a fucking violation to any woman, whether it's my daughter or not. But when it is your daughter and you're charged with protecting that person, fuck you, buddy. You're getting something. You are getting something. I'm sorry. That's Dude, fucked. That's the that's to me. That's like the scariest I've ever seen. Tony. I hear you. And there's yeah. definitely some Godfather Two illusions and like the narrow corridor in the Italian restaurant. And Tony just goes savage on this motherfucker. Oh, and, and, and with the shit out of him. And Butchie, you know, yeah, fucking Butch. It, you're making a mistake here, Tony. How about I put one through your fucking head? You know, he like he's not fucking, fucking playing. No, he's no. not. Cold, cold, cold. Yes, you're right. That's pretty savage, Tony, right there. That's the about his bouncing around. Ugh. Yeah, that's about. And then he's in, he's in fucking therapy, and he's got the fucking tooth and the cut. 
That's the show. Oh my God. Family therapy because your fucking son tried to kill himself and you find a fucking tooth of a man that you just beat to almost death in your fucking cuff, like the cuff of your fucking pants. And he's just sitting there thinking, oh shit. And he gets it and like, just, I, that's the show. What that's the, the show. Where do you even see shit like that? That's insane. All right, now we get to touch on AJ. Yeah, I just kind of broke the, the popped the cherry on that, but yeah. What is up with this fucking kid? Ugh. Is he just the quintessential like mid two thousands white rich kid? Yep. Yeah, like that's exactly that's right. what he fucking is. I went to school with someone. I went to college with someone from New Jersey, who was very wealthy, and it wasn't until I watched The Sopranos for the first time that I like. I understood the authenticity of the Meadow character, the Hunter character, Meadow's friend, AJ, all of AJ's friends. I was like, oh, shit. Like, and I always thought that that person was kind of like, I was like, oh, you're just like a bit melodramatic. And then like when I watched this, I was like, no, this is like a whole thing. Like, this is a little contagion. You guys all got infected with fucking existentialism when you were young and, and like, way too overfledged. <laughs> I know, right? And it's like, they, they like, woo, spiral big time. Like, this guy is watching the news and can't even, what's the point of life? Like, he's so bad off, man. Like, so bad. So, AJ tries to commit suicide. He does. Ties a cinder block to his feet. Yep. He loosely puts a plastic bag over his head. Yep. And With the rope is very long. Just well, let's that. just say, let's just say it was uh, the the deep end of the pool was ten feet, and the rope was about twelve. I think that's about accurate. <laughs> it's not funny, but like it's pretty fucking. Classic. It was supposed to be funny. I swear to God, I learned that in the special. Feature. Okay, it was it supposed was to be funny. They, they, that, they were trying to, like, do, like, because they had the whole thing, like, where Tony later is like, he couldn't even do that right. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, later. It's the, not it, funny, but it's funny. Later in the Melfi episode, Melfi's like, you know, maybe he knew you were coming home at right that moment. Yeah. Ugh. Maybe he knew that the rope was that, that just long enough. And he was like, maybe he's just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Because that's what history shows, is he's a fucking moron. It does, it does, and he clearly, you know, he clearly has gone through, I mean, again, so, I'm reminded as I'm sitting here making fun of AJ, I'm reminded of what I said about Christopher. Let's not forget, AJ's father is a fucking cold-blooded murderer. Yeah. And he knows it. Oh, yeah. He knows this, and... And the people that his father are encouraging him to run around with are beating up African kids because they, you know, cause them to wreck their bike. And because they stand up for what's right, they're, he's watching these kids beat them. And that's, that's, those kids are Tony's associates' children. And, and that's the life that AJ lives in. Like, so let's not forget that. You know, like you gotta give credit where credit's due. I mean, but then again, you want you like look at Meadow and you're like, okay, no excuses there. <laughs> you know, like you're just kind of a wimp. Like, no offense, but Meadow she was just did okay. Kind of a rich kid. You know, Meadow did okay. 
for herself. Yeah, she's got a good career. She did all right. Kind of settled at the end. She's going to get She kind of came back down to earth. Yeah. Yeah. She was always kind of a rich kid, but she kind of... She had she, that... She clearly had that can't parallel park. No, she can't. Before we get to that, we've got to pour one out for Bobby Bacala. Oh, Blue Comet. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Did Bobby have to go? So anyway... This full-out war breaks out between New York and New Jersey. Absolutely. Yeah, both Phil and Tony put out hits for each other, except for Phil puts out hits for more than Tony. Great lead-in. Take it away. Well, I mean, you know, he's trying to... He's basically trying to... He really is just trying to eliminate what is left of that family. And he wants to just make collections from the rest of them and run them. You know, like he puts out hits for Bobby, Syl, and Tony. And it's so, again, one of the beauties of this show is just that the whimsicality with which these men decide people's life. They don't even know if Bobby is a threat. No. Somebody sitting at the table says he is married to the sister. And, oh, okay, yeah kill him too and it's like that's the whimsy that they use that's the whimsy i mean i i don't know it's just this they just do such a good job of showing that the absurdity (laughs) involved in this kind of lifestyle i mean that's just wild to me because bobby's arguably like a good dude yeah he kills someone because tony's bitch ass makes him makes him kill his first person you know and it's like, but but you get the feeling Bobby's not a bad guy, you know. And he, I mean, he, he's kind of a grown man who dies in a train store. So, like, I mean, he's very uh, lovable, though. Exactly. How vicious is he? And he puts up with Janice. <laughs> he does put up with Janice. Oh my God, his poor children. Woo! Oh my God. Whoa, those Bacala kids. Damn they're it. For a, they're not getting any money either because Junior can't oh. remember where his fucking money is. Yep. You know Janice is going to get it if they find it. Oh, hell yeah. Janice is going to be in that house with a sledgehammer before too long, bro. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, you love Janice. You know... Oh! I oh. hate I hate the character of Janice, but after watching a little bit of time, spending a little time with the actress who plays Janice, I like her. You know that's John okay. Turturro's sister? No shit. Fucking John Turturro, Jesus. Yeah. From Big Lebowski. Yeah, that's his sister. Very cool. Yeah. What'd she you get did from her? A lot of theater with uh, James Gandolfini, which so everybody do. calls Jim. Jim. Yep. Yep. I like. Jimmy. Uh, yeah. She just, I like, I liked her spirit. She's a good vibe. She's, she basically speaks just like Janice. She's the only character that legitimately speaks just like their character. Yeah, it's weird when you go watch interviews and you're like, and a lot of them are from the area and it's authentic, yeah. but like they're not. They're California actors. Yeah. The like even James Gandolfini, like he doesn't oh, talk like that. No. Oh, big break. Big oh, fucking yeah. break. Fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So weird. Oh, it's it's awkward. It's like, is that, you're like, when you hear James Gandolfin, G- Gandolfini speak in his natural voice, you're like, is this James Gandolfini playing like some weird nerd? Yeah, is that he's so soft spoken and kind of speaks really like eloquently and like 
pronounces things like super properly and like he there's no you know rolling of the ends or pulling up anything like he's uh, real it's yeah Edie Falco there's a smidge of Carmella in Edie Falco like but but it but it but there's like subtle differences on Carmella that I picked up on but everybody else was very different but Janice nope just like it I can't remember that lady's name I feel so bad but something to Turo. Something to Turo. What? Oh, not Janice on Friends. Ugh, Friends. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. Ugh. Ada. Ada Turturro. Mm-hmm. Ada Turturro. I believe her and Edie Falco are like pals. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. I like Edie Falco. Me too. She's she's a real one. She was the last person that they cast Hmm. for the whole show. And she skated to a hotel room to audition for David Chase and a few of the other producers and stuff. Like Like on Rollerblades? Yeah. Like that's how she, like it was kind of a funny little laugh. By the way, the... One of the best special features I've ever, ever seen was Dinner with the Sopranos. Or Supper, excuse me, Supper with the Sopranos. And it was literally like actors and directors and writers and David Chase sitting around a table eating and drinking wine and talking about the fucking show after it finished. Um, Word to everybody out there. Can you please do this for everything Going forward, I want every Tarantino movie. I like. I want to see Brad Pitt, DiCaprio, fucking uh, Margot Robbie, Quentin Tarantino, Al Pacino. I want to see those guys sitting around a table and talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is the greatest fucking thing, man. It's the coolest shit. And I just wish that take Q people take fucking Q. Just saying. I just tried to look it up on YouTube, and all I see is. All I see is uh, a few of the gentlemen. Bro, I just realized something awesome. There's a digital fucking download in the motherfucking case. I'm going to text your boy. (laughs) You know I got that Blu-ray box set, son. I thought I was done with the Sopranos. Guess what? I'm not. No, you're going to have supper with the Sopranos, part one and two. Oh, <laughs> it really like no shit. Like it's been kind of a shtick throughout this whole show. Like I'm this, I love the special features, but like though that really is like, it's really fucking mega cool. It it really it's like I again I'm imagining like David Fincher and like uh, Gary Oldman and you know uh, the just the people who made. Mank sitting around a table and talking about it or uh social network or Daniel Day Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson sitting at dinner talking with one of the other like the cinematographer about yeah. how they made the movie. It's just fucking I awesome. That shit. It's 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 like a really it it really is fucking dope for sure. No. And I just wanted to shout that out because it's one of the neatest special features I've ever come across. Ever. Yeah, I mean I I'm I'm a behind the scenes guy. Yeah, and it was like that's how I learned that thing about Edie Falco skating, and it was like so fucking cool, like you know, like just and the way that they approach everything, you know. Although, again, 
the one thing you want is a little light on the ending of the show and no they go to extreme pains to make sure that no one gives you any information that could lead you in any direction whatsoever let's talk about it let's fucking talk about the ending what do you think happens at the end um just just come out with it yeah it's complicated though i think that in a phrase it doesn't matter i don't think it matters either in a phrase it doesn't matter and the reason i say it doesn't matter is because obviously the big debate for fucking 15 coming up on 15 years now has been did tony die or does tony live and I don't know if it matters if his brains get splattered all over those onion rings and we see it or if he walks out of that place and maybe he dies of Alzheimer's 20 years in the future. Maybe he gets arrested the next week by the feds because they finally got enough to pinch him because one of his top guys just flipped. It seemed impending that he was going to at least go to trial. But here's the question that I think is most important. And I spent a lot of time reading every film critic's thoughts on this. And they all say the same shit virtually. But here's what I think. And it's a little bit different, similar, but a little different. Does it matter if he dies right then? Because you know there is no positive outcome for Tony Soprano. There's no positive outcome. And I think... What that scene does is show us, the audience, more so what Tony thinks and feels more than we ever have. He's sitting there with his back to the back of the room looking at the only entrance to the place. And every time the bell rings, his attention. Every time somebody walks by, he's looking because he himself is assessing the risk in his life. And I think we're putting his shoes, and then I think he simply just pulls the plug and says the show's over. Like, that's kind of how it feels to me. You know, like, I don't think that the black screen indicates a bullet to the head like so many people. I just think, I think it's, it's the, the stream ends. That's See, why I'm satisfied with that, with that, but there, there are allusions to him dying. Oh, there's a lot. But but then there this, are also the final episode opens with him. It looks like he's laying in a fucking casket. Sure as fuck does. It sure the cat. as fuck does. Yep. Okay. So now here in lies my real thoughts on it. The cat, Schrodinger's cat. That kind of like a, a psychological motif or something. Yeah, absolutely. So Schrodinger's cat. You put a cat, and, and I'm just paraphrasing here. So if any of you guys are experts, beat the hell out of me. Whatever. The, the the idea is that you put a cat in a box with some sort of a toxic material, okay? You close the box. Obviously, the cat is dead because the toxic material will kill the cat, right? It's that simple. But until you open the box to confirm that the cat is actually dead, the idea is that the cat exists in two places. It's both alive and dead. And that's what Tony is at the end of the show. He's both alive and he's dead. That's it. And that's that little cat hanging out with Polly. At the that, it like enters the just, it enters the frame every time Tony leaves the frame. I think it's, it's like, like this shout out that that 
that's really, I think, what the whole ending is, is that Tony is simultaneously. And one thing I did hear, the one crumb that you hear is that what they did is they left every single possibility open. It's the it's the guy in the members only jacket. It's the two gangbangers that walk in. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's he lives. It's he walks out. It's the feds get him. It's a million different things. Every possibility is left on the table at the end of that show. And I think it's because he's existing in both those worlds. You can write the whole rest of everything either way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what's so fucking brilliant about it. Like, I, I did watch like some conspiracy videos and shit like that. And it just doesn't matter. It doesn't. You can go. I mean, because so you said, you know, but he does start the episode in this like lying in state like this like you know mortem pose that's true but also if you look historically how many times has tony been down and he always makes it so yeah. in reality his trend is to persevere through is to be the one exception to the rule he Somehow everybody around him gets pinched. Every boss of every family gets pinched, but Tony doesn't. Yeah. Somehow he gets shot fucking what? Three, four fucking times, fucking four car wrecks. I mean, the guy lives on. So you're almost in and don't stop. Like, don't stop believing this guy's just going to keep fucking going, baby. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing it for forever. Maybe you know? it's telling us to not stop and just forget about it. Maybe it is, you know? And one thing I did read on the internet that I found really interesting was someone said that maybe maybe actually what happens when the screen goes black is that you, the viewer, have been whacked. And you no longer get to see this story anymore. You got whacked. You got whacked. Not nobody in the show, but you, the viewer, you just died. That doesn't really satisfy me. I hear you, but I like it. Okay. I do. Because how does this show work? This show doesn't this show does not start around some, you know, big event. It doesn't it just opens. The what is it? The first shot is him getting his paper, right? Am I making that up? It's not, right? Tony's no, yeah, it is. Yeah. One out of the driveway, getting his paper. The most mundane fucking thing in the history of history. Yeah. It just starts out of nowhere, no context, and it never gives you any context. It doesn't. I, I mean, want to watch it again. Tony's the, I, I, exactly. And that's something that I think is so important. This show is one of the great works of art. Like, I really believe that. It's the kind of thing that you, you, I don't think you could wear the show out. If you watched it every day for the rest of your life, yeah, I'm sure you get tired of it. But if you watch The Sopranos and you put it away for a couple of years and you watch it again. I'm going to watch it, it every few years, man. And I you watch to. it again. You're you're going to thoroughly fucking enjoy the shit out of it every single time. And it's going to command your attention every single time. You know, it's not going to be a bad. This show will never be a background show. Not for someone who loves cinema or, or movie making and storytelling. You're going to no. be fucking in. It's deep. The whole time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we've come to an end. 
So I thought you were gonna like hint at some like theory where Polly killed Tony. Yeah, I I, I made I a note it. for myself because I was like big eyebrow raise question. That mark. was the that was the video I watched that Polly was uh, unhappy. There's like this trail you can cookie string together these like instances of Tony or Polly unhappy with Tony's reign and trying to get in New York and like this guy like pieced together that Polly like arranged or led to Tony's whacking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much the conspiracy theory video that I watched. Well, I'll just say I find that interesting simply because how there there's a bookend. Polly with the suntan reflector out in front of Satriales. Yeah. You know, and it that I found interesting, you know, because that's one of the first shots. In the show too, actually, is, yeah. shit, that actually could be the first shot. One of it's early yeah. and it's a bookend. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's and that's an interesting thought because, like we alluded to earlier, when you get down to this, Christopher's gone, Bobby's gone, gone, Pussy's gone, Silvio's gone, Carlo's gone, Vito's gone. Who is left in this family? It's fucking Tony. And fucking Patsy. Patsy. And Benny and Polly. Yeah. Benny. Fucking Benny. Benny, who got his ass kicked. That's By it. Artie Buco. Who the fuck is left? Yeah. I mean, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I just kind of find like I actually think what happens, like my interpretation of the end of the show is simply like I my instinct tells me that he walks out of that diner that night. But again, I think it doesn't matter because there's no avenue you can go down that Tony has a happy ending. Like it doesn't matter. Carmela, Meadow, AJ, they're all going to suffer at some point in the future of their lives. They're going to suffer because of the inherent choices that Tony made. And Tony is going to meet his own demise, whether it's in jail, whether it's a fucking heart attack from being a fucking glutton, yeah. like a mega glutton, you know, like who knows, but it's going to happen one way or another. You know what I mean? And I, I like that you surmise that that just doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. It's because it's, it, it just can't. There's. There's no way it ends but poorly, right? Like, so what does it matter if you get to see his death or not? You know, it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Mad Men ending is ambiguous. And, like, so many other endings to great television shows are rather ambiguous. And it probably is inspired by this. Well, the Mad Men ambiguity is 100% inspired by this. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. Clearly. There's a direct link. Clearly. Yeah. Um, but, I, again, it's like like I said, I like to beat up on Wiener for some of the stuff that he does in this. But the truth is, is that, in my opinion, Mad Men is the only thing that has come close to the kind of writing that that you get in the Sopranos like so many parallels. Yeah. And it's like, these people are, I mean, my God, the pilot of the film, like the ducks and the pool and the guy, like the guy has a panic attack when the ducks leave and there's an opera pay playing in the background, which is about the like 
like the swallows flying away for the season. It's like this, there's just this rich thickness in everything. And, and like, there are like Renaissance level compositions in this show, like throughout, like there's a refrain of the columns in the soprano home. And they frame that fucking family several times. Season six, part one, ends with that shot at Christmas. And they're all there in the oh, room, yeah. framed by those columns and the fucking cameras pulling out real slow. That's Renaissance-style composition, the way all those people are arranged. There's so much thought in every single yeah. shot. You know, this is not, this is not Friends. You know, this is this, not that Janice. No, this is not friends. And this is not, you know, uh, what what's a drama from like, this is not CSI fucking New York. Like this is legit art. Keep NCIS out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> keep, keep what? CSI? And, and, and CIS. Mark Harmon, uh, baby. CSI, baby. Oh, NCIS, motherfucker. It's oh, a different NCI- show. My bad. Sorry. The, the, all the acronyms, the initials. The Naval it, Crime Scene Investigation. NCSI? Naval Crime Scene and NCIS. N- the Sopranos, the greatest show <laughs> ever made. <laughs> yes, baby, yes. It is the greatest show ever fucking made. There's just no doubt. And change TV. 100% change TV. Change me. I'm glad we did this. Oh, for sure. For sure. Homage. An homage. Homage. So this is the end of the Gabagool Chronicles. The Gabagool is over. We ain't got no stinking Gabagool. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll see you next weekend. Oh.